Sonny Condell comes from Newtown, Man Kennedy, County Wicklow. When he was a child, he saw the Vienna Boys Choir and decided that he didn't want to be a singer. But he did become a singer, a songwriter and an acoustic guitar stylist. One of Ireland's most noted modern songwriters, his presence has been felt for nearly 15 years. People have always looked to him as a distinctive performer and a lyricist. His lyrics are like jelly, some of them, they wobble. <laughs> yeah, I like him, yeah, I've seen him before and uh, I, I like his wit. comes across fairly well. I think he's a good solo performer and play, plays well with the band as well, as we found with, with Scullion. But uh, I, I have to really check him out to find out what exactly he's, he's like, you know? It was on a farm, uh, and it was very, it was a lovely country all around it. And one song I wrote, I think, definitely had a um, big effect. Uh, the the area had a big effect on that song, and that was Two White Horses," which is about looking at, at at farming going on on the other side of the hill, kind of thing, where you have a good view of what the other farmers are doing, sort of thing, and you can see that they're bringing in their hay. Um, and you're bringing the hay, or there's a, there's a lovely feeling if things going on in a similar way on different farms and that sort of thing. Two white horses draw the plough. From where I stand, I hear no sound. The owl. Of this creeping day in polished harness led away, plowman's feet in furrows, walking, walking, the years have bent this plowman's back as wind deforms the skyline tree two white horses never tire in all the turnings of the day turning always turning in this never-ending field. I was playing with my cousin, and we were filling in for uh, another duo 
who were meant to go down to Cork, uh, no, to, uh, to Carlo one night. And we went and we did this gig in Carpenter's Bar in Carlo. And in the interval, Leo came and asked to borrow one of the guitars and he played. And we hadn't seen anything quite like it before. My cousin and I were quite jolted into Wow, he's good, isn't he? <laughs> and uh, we were talking to him, and then we were talking to him about the folk clubs in Dublin that we used to play in the Coffee Kitchen and Universal and those places, yeah. which uh, my cousin and I really liked doing because uh, people would sit down and listen to you. Otherwise, our gigs were sort of ballad sessions and things, and Greystones we used to play down there. And that was great fun too, but it was a different kind of listen, listening audience in the folk clubs in Dublin, so we came in quite regularly. And... Our songs that we wrote were sort of written specially for the folk clubs, really. Um, and anyway, when we met Leo, we sort of suggested him that he, he came up as well to, uh, to play in these places. So he did, and he moved up to town, up to Dublin. Yeah, he went off to play with the Emmet Spiceland for a bit then. And uh, he came back after that, and I was playing on my own at this stage, and so we... We were talking about we could only go so far in in Ireland, really, because of the lack of availability of places to play where you're playing original music. Kelly and myself went to England as a, as a sort of company to, for each other rather than forming a group necessarily and we played in a bar called Bell in Allgate, quite near Liverpool Street Station and that was a very exciting place, we used to play uh, Saturday and Sunday nights and for, for eight quid a night, which was grand it really kept us going and we stayed out in Ealing and we used to, I used to play a lot of uh, pottery drums, Moroccan drums and things like that. And there's a lot of Asian people in the, the bar and they were really interested in the rhythms that we were doing. So it was, it was a musically inspiring time very much. When they went to England, everything was rather dormant when they were signed, but yet then the bands like Jethro Tull, Steel Ice Band, who were on Chrysalis at the time, started to go a little bit more rock-orientated, 
and had uh, amazing success, whereas Tiernan Og didn't have the success, and the record company basically lost interest in them. And um, unfortunately, if the record company had been had had less success with their other acts and had developed more, spent more time developing Tiernan Og, who knows what could have happened? Because personally, from the gigs they did for me, the reaction was amazing. The everybody, everybody was happy with them. Everybody thought they were going to make it. Sonny and Leo were getting on very well together, which, as I say, didn't always happen. Um, Sonny was using water pistols, to, uh, squirting water on the audience long before punk had ever been heard of, and it was all good, good fun. And yet, the type of material they were doing was so apt for the time. If rain will fall high and near upon the mountain grass will grow and shepherds will be thankful and our love will cover up all the mountain for a time We made this tape and we brought it to, first of all, um, Island Records, who, who we thought were the best record company. And that, that was a nice thing about working with Leo Kelly because he he um, always thought the most of the music, in a way. I always you know, had a rather modest sort of attitude to it, like... Uh, um, but he said, let's just go to the very best record company we can. So we did, and they turned us down. <laughs> and they suggested we go to another branch of Ireland Records, Chrysalis Records. So we thought, well, they only have very sort of heavy rock bands like Jethro Tull, Ten Years After, and stuff. So uh, anyway, we went along, and very quickly they said, yes, they wanted to take us on for recording and management and publishing agency. So we were dancing down Oxford Street the, the next day, really delighted with ourselves. And uh, I think we were given 50 quid each and told to buy some new clothes. <laughs> so they started uh, booking us out and do gigs all over the place. And we did a tour uh, shortly after that with Jess Rotel around England. And we recorded our first album, which was called uh, Tear and Oak, which was probably the most successful of the three albums we made. High up here upon the mountain grass will grow And shepherds will be thankful And our love will cover up on the mountain For time is like a promise It tries all your strength By 1973, Tiernan Oak had split and Sonny was back in Ireland. He was playing in toners in Dublin, writing songs, playing with different musicians and planning what was to be his camouflage album. Mulligan showed an interest anyway in the music and so I uh, started to work on the songs with Jolly and Jackson and Craig Boland. And 
we were really encouraged with what what it sounded like. We just did some demos using the clavinet. Jolyon was playing the clavinet, and Greg the acoustic guitar, and my own acoustic guitar. And we had some worked out some nice arrangements. And then in the studio we had Fran Breen on drums and uh, Kieran Brennan from Clannad on bass. And the idea of that record, this was called Camouflage, the album, um, was to learn the songs approximately, uh, for the musicians to learn the songs, and then just to play them all together as freely as possible without uh, very many overdubs or anything. So the music was as live as possible. as a record. I, I'm very refreshed by it every time I listen to it and, uh, and I think it achieved its purpose in that respect. Um, like, like every album there's, there's, there's a few duff ones in it but my favourites are Red Sail, Down in the City and Backwater a while. Well as producer of the record um, I look back on Camouflage as being a very ambitious project and probably one of the most uh, successful albums of its kind recorded in this country. It's very hard to get records to sell in this country anyway. Um, and there again, it was never intended to be a commercial album. It was very much in keeping with Mulligan's philosophy of, of producing good music, quality music, spending money on the production, um, and just relying on the fact that it was quality and not necessarily commercial to sell it. Um, looking back, I suppose, um, as producer, I should have done a little bit more to to remind Sonny of the the dangers of um, producing an album that, in a way, deliberately was not commercial. Uh, it, I think that's a luxury people can't afford.
I like to hear songs that give me an impression of things ne without necessarily having to say it. I suppose um, the things that aren't said or the things that are hinted at give your mind more space to operate in as a listener. Do you know what I mean? So that's the way I view that album, as being... Uh, a vehicle to take your mind away from just the things that uh, normally occupy them into a space that is vague and its vagueness is its strength rather than its weakness to my mind <laughs> that's that's what i think good days are getting longer i'm sitting up in the bell tower See a cathedral in a picture on a stone grave. They found me in the love days, tried to tell me she was evil. I understood the caution, my love was a burning. was this strange thing. I mean, Sonny is um, very imaginative. He's a bit like a magician, I think, in musical terms. He tries to produce things out of a hat, and very often does. And yet, in his long songs, there's an element of austerity, you know, which is... Um, uh, which I think perhaps didn't work to his advantage in camouflage. Again, I'm, I'm sort of thinking of that song in particular. Whereas he is, in fact, a very witty, um, very funny bloke, and um, perhaps we could have livened it up a bit more, you know. But I still feel the same way about songs, that I write songs as they come out of me, rather than um, bending them into something that I feel the critics might like, because they've said something about a previous work, you know. And yet you can't help but be influenced by everything that happens to you because you can't, like, have... Um, every action has its reaction, whether you've listened to the criticism or you haven't, you know. You, 
you react in some way. You either become further and further out in outlandishness and uh, out of trend, or you merge into it or whatever. I think there are some um, tracks on that album that do not date and never will. For example, Down in the City is a classic. To my mind, I think that's a beautiful song. And it was, we were fortunate to get a very good version of it down. Down the City is approximately about um, two cities and the feelings that they kind of left in my mind. Again, it comes back to the way I write songs, is that I, I experience something and then maybe some days after, a sort of distillation of that experience comes out in the form of, of the words and, and music. So that was about Glasgow, which I found really uh, impressively run down. I just we were driving through Glasgow, going to a gig, and there's these huge uh, blocks that really, really looked like the gates of hell or something like that. And then it was also about uh, the city of Los Angeles. Um, I going by the sea and and driving away from people that I met there. So blue, your summer star down on the road of speed, a steady drive, I'm fading from someone's view.
The Camouflage LP, though it wasn't apparently intended to be a commercial success, sold very poorly. Sonny hadn't the consolation either that he might have got if the record had been critically acclaimed, which it wasn't. Instead, it was described as indulgent, too introspective, qualities some would say only singers from England or America can get away with. It was a depressing period for Sonny. He went to Holland for nearly a year, but resurfaced in late 78 to, among other things, renew an old friendship with Philip King. Well, I met Sonny Condell first in UCC when I was um, attending that university in the early 70s, and Leon himself came as Tiernan Oak to play there on two different occasions, and both times I was playing in a band that supported Tiernan Oak at that time. Um, after those gigs, um, I didn't see Sonny for years and years and years, and I came to live in Dublin then, and Tiernan Oak had broken up, and I was working in a pub in Monkstown, in County Dublin and there I was behind the bar and this chap comes in and asks me for a pint of stout and who is it only Sonny Condell so we got to talking and we struck up a friendship um, which eventually became a, a musical friendship and partnership and we set up the first scullion just after that time um, the people who were involved were Freddie White myself Mick Daly Dan Fitzgerald, Eamon Doyle and Sonny Condell. It was basically an electric band and most of the material was Sonny's. He was writing that time for the band in a sort of very new and inventive manner for that time. We played in Toners and Morn's Hotel and the usual gigs around Dublin or the gigs that were around Dublin at that time. Um, nobody came, so the band sort of folded up and sort of fell apart. That's where, that's where, that's where I met Sonny first. I got cold in my room with no heat for my heart So I went out on the street and made myself see the world Some girl maybe tonight Some girl maybe so nice I saw circles of attraction Circular dance floor Circle of flies buzzing around each other Some girl maybe tonight Some girl maybe so nice I got a love call Love I began, for the first time, I suppose, really, to write songs. Um, I was, as you know, interested in traditional music and I was interested in modern music as well. And it seemed to me, especially like with things like the Bothy Band and sort of the, the whole revival of traditional music, and it's sorry, it was a high popularity at that time, um, that one should mix, perhaps, the various different strands of music that were in this country and try and form a new cohesive sort of unit out of it. Um, 
So Sonny and I did gigs all over the place. We went up and down the country. Sonny playing the guitar and me singing and playing the harmonica was basically what it was. Sometimes it was very sort of high energy stuff. It, 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 there was a, re- a real strong push off it for two people and people around the country used to say, God, there's two fellas now with sort of just one guitar and two voices and they, they, they managed to make a very strong sound. And it was because of reaction like that that we thought a band of the nature of, of, which, I, of which I was describing could perhaps be successful. Certainly, sir. Is it in the city? Oh, yes, Blazers Boylan said ten minutes. The blonde girl handed him a docket and a pencil. The address, sir. Blazers boiling up the counter road and push the docket over to her. Sitting in a woods, falling in the lead. Yes, sir, I will, sir. Yes, sir, I will, sir. What's the damage, he asked. The blonde girl's slim fingers reckoned the fruits. Blazes Boylan looked into the cut of her blouse. Sonny had a deal. <laughs> this sounds like something very modern as well, but Sonny had a deal with Mulligan. I had a deal with Mulligan, so we decided we'd merge the deal and call it Scullion and get Greg in to be the third member in the band. And we did. And we asked PJ to produce the album, and he was um, at that time putting together the Piper's Rock um, album. And he knew Jimmy O'Brien Moran, who played on that. So he suggested that maybe Jimmy would be an added extra to the sort of music that we were doing. And so Jimmy came and we rehearsed and we went into Windmill Lane. I think it was the second album that was ever recorded in Windmill Lane and recorded the first Scullion album. to hunting and found the barn a-blazing and back she's come a-calling, a-calling, a-calling Wake up farm boys the barn is burning down Now the rats came out in the hundreds and the cat she caught a-plenty, she's got the artful dodger, the dodger the dodger She's spied him in the burning hay the barn is burning down And the cat 
she has to hide her face behind the wrap she's eating So as not to show a smirk and later get a beating As the farmer tips on his dungarees and he falls down the stairs Um, my material on that album was very disparate. Um, Sonny's was more, as, as always, was more of, of a unit. He, 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 he writes to a pattern over, over, over periods of years. At, at one particular six months, six, over a six-month period, he will write in a certain style. And then maybe if he records after that, he'll drop that style and go on, and go on to something else. Um, so that was the first Scullion album, and... I suppose everybody knows what happened with that. Um, it sold very meagerly. Um, it was released to some sort of critical acclaim, at least. Um, people seemed to be interested in the in in the sort of music that was on it. A lot of people said, um, "You can't do this sort of thing. You can't." What is it? They wanted to know what it was. They said it was too disparate. How can you have um, a song like "I'm Stretched on Your Grave," which is sort of a slow and um, highly identifiable as being a traditional dirge? On one level, and a song of Sonny's like "Pilo" um, at, at the other end, at the other end of the spectrum. I am stretched on your grave and would lie there forever if your hands were in mine. I'd be sure we'd not sever. My apple tree, my brightness, tis time we were together, for I smell of the earth and warden by the weather. Can't you see that I'm sinking, sinking? influenced other musicians more than it influenced, say, the general public. 
Do you know what I mean? I would say that there are musicians around the town, around Dublin and around the country, who listened to that music and were very much taken um, with the idea and then maybe went on and experimented themselves. I don't think the public, generally speaking, well, I mean, it, it, the record would have sold if the public sort of liked it an awful lot, but I don't think, generally speaking, that they fully understood what we were at. A lot of, a lot of musicians didn't understand either, but they, they saw it as going somewhere. Well, I was doing this uh, documentary programme called The Miners of Moaning Row, having to do with the Castlecomer Mining Quarry Union from uh, December 1931 to uh, January 1933. Now, it was, uh, it was a good story and uh, uh, very riveting sort of stuff. And uh, most of the story swung around a man called Nicholas Bourne, who was a miner down there, and uh, a man of courage and integrity and uh, uh, strong beliefs, who set out in the 1930s to do something about the lot of the miners down there and founded this uh, Castlecomer Mining Quarry Union. He was also left-wing. Uh, uh, in fact, he, he, at the time, he was a member of the communist movement in Ireland. But I thought that to go with the programme, it would, it would have been a good thing to have a song so around that time, I was friendly with uh, Philip King and um, and Sonny Condell, and it came to me that it would be very interesting to see how Sonny Condell would deal with this sort of material. Now, I knew that he wasn't terribly interested in politics and probably didn't know a great deal about left-wing politics. So I gave him uh, the tapes, which I had at the time, Within about two weeks to three weeks, three weeks, I would say, uh, he turned up with this song. It, it was a good song because the story was a simple story and the song he produced was a very simple song, just simply telling the story of these people in the 1930s fighting for better conditions. And um, he went along and recorded the song and it was used in the documentary to link the story uh, but I would say that um, Sonny just t uh, approached it um, in the way that a sensitive feeling man would to a situation like this, a situation where people were being oppressed and uh, maltreated and, and uh, conditions were quite terrible. Now tell of the Kilkenny miner Needing his wits to keep from starving above ground I've been buried alive, been buried alive Down below, down below Valley Ragged was the first meeting place and Nixie Foreign was the founder A breakaway union for the miners themselves To the dread of the owners And the pre-sphere of the left On the day that the documentary was broadcast uh, George Bourne, who was the son of Nicholas or Nixie Bourne, 
and who had in fact followed in his father's footsteps and was the branch secretary of the Transport Workers Union in Kilkenny, where his father had been, uh, was up on Blessington Lake with his two sons. And the sons were out in a rubber dinghy and they got into difficulties. And uh, he went out to save them and he was drowned. That was on the afternoon of the morning on which this documentary was broadcast and it was primarily about his father. Uh, sometime afterwards, uh, Sonny Condell and Philip King and the group Scullion were playing in one of the pubs in Castle Comer. And they would, I'm sure, have been unaware of the tragedy uh, surrounding the death of George Byrne. But uh, they sang this song in the pub and uh, they got the most amazing response because it was a huge emotional thing for the local people. Uh, this song sung about the ha happenings of the 1930s but ref and referring to Nixie Bourne. But within the uh, past couple of weeks, George Bourne had been drowned in the most tragic circumstances. So they got this tremendous emotional uh, reaction from the, from, the, from the people. They were strong for they stood on their own But the bishop came down and did rant and did roar And what God-fearing man Can stand the wrath of his own church And the union was crushed as the devil's Like a slave between hunger and shame, needing his wits to keep him from starving above ground. I've been buried alive, been buried alive down below. Down below. I think Sonny is influenced by anybody who works with him. Mm. Um, he's 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 willing to expand his uh, musical boundaries all the time to cater for what he would consider to be a good influence or sort of any other good music. Um, he's an astonishing man like that, I find, because he's a player who has formed his own identity so much over the years and is identifiable as being Sonny Condell and nothing else over the years by, by an awful lot of people um, in Ireland in particular that when another musician, say like me or like Greg, comes to play with him he's very eager and anxious to learn different, different modes of expression and different things because he, sometimes he finds himself incarcerated by his own um, his own methods and his own sort of style of songwriting which which actually has become stylized and identifiable completely as his and which 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 in Ireland gets the reaction of either oh it's Sonny Condell again or oh it's brilliant mm. and he, he he seems to have suffered from that over the years unfortunately i mean in my opinion he not only see one of the most prolific songwriters in the country but i would say some of the finest contemporary songs that have been written over the last 
seven or eight years in this country have, have sort of come from him and never having received either the commercial or critical sort of recognition that they deserve to my, to my way of thinking Sonny will be playing music from now to the day he dies. He's that sort of a guy. Um, he'll be writing songs and playing with them, playing them with whoever wants to play with him. And he'll be bringing, I, I think anyway, a, a lot of entertainment, a lot of joy to people. I just know from working with him over the years in Scullion, both through the first album, the second album, touring in Ireland and on the continent, that uh, the gigs that we did um, brought an awful lot of sort of enjoyment to a lot of people and I think that's what Sonny that's, that's where Sonny gets his enjoyment that's what he wants he wants to stand up in front of people and play his music and he doesn't want to be clapped in the back for it but he just wants, wants people to be happy or to see people's reaction to what he has to say he wants to communicate something to them what it is I don't know maybe he doesn't know himself but um, I think that's what he wants to do anyway so So I'm just trying to um, feel myself into new directions in that way uh, and writing with the idea of a band in, in mind more than um, an acoustic setup. So, and I'm, I'm listening to music, I think, uh, with a, a greater degree, you know, and just seeing what's uh, going on listening to to new music i'm very interested in um, a lot of the music on the independent labels and things find that a lot of the songs i'm writing are very bleak in many ways and um i think it, it's very bleak <laughs> uh, bleak times we're going through and i think there's a lot of frustration in it's so pointless, really, uh, the, the mounting the arms race and all this sort of thing. It just seems like 
very good reason for there to be sort of long distorted um, chords on the guitar and people sort of it sounds like people crying and moaning you know and okay a lot of it is maybe uh, fashionable something like that but it is the actual sound of today it is today's sound and it's not all cosmetic Those are my influences, if you like, at the moment. Uh, and if they turn out like that, they they will. But um, it's really the way I think when I write a song and I play it with um, people and we work out a certain arrangement, uh, it's very much how it happens there and then that I'm interested in, rather than a very formulated idea before before everything. I think some people write in that way, which is not my style, but... I think there's one called Cold Wind, which I've just written, uh, which is about uh, an underlying sense of unease all the time. And I think that fairly much sums up the... There's a lot of the lines are, you, you could say... Um, uh, they refer to it, they refer to something, but they use a different image. I don't know what the right figure of speech is. Simile, maybe? <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, um, the first line is, the open-ended season of the witch, and they fly by two by two. And down below, in the city streets, only stars they see. Feeling 
feelings back Like baby left too long alone Open to the dark Walking up and down my room Keep my fighting Sonny Condell lives in Dunleary and continues to write songs prolifically, songs that reflect an abstract, poetic view of the world. I think of songs in an, as an abstract art form and music as an abstract art form, which is... Um, I find very hard to talk about, um, partly because I'm fairly inarticulate, but how can you talk about something that is in itself gone before you can touch it? before you can grasp it. And there's so many words in um, countless uh, editions of the press and things like that, uh, trying to describe music and, and, and tie it down. And that sort of builds up um, how, how, what are we gonna call it? We're gonna call it New Wave or um, Country and Western or something. And so much is built up around this, but really it's only just a, a spark when it hits you, the music. And there's nothing more to be said about it, really. Well, I'm sitting by a window, I can see all the way across town. I'm dreaming, I'm with my finger, I'm drumming on the window pane.
taking part with Sonny Condell in that programme were Philip King, Sean Davey, documentary maker Pat Feely and promoter Brian Kennedy. Commentary was by Dave Fanning. The actor Cold Wind and Sail On were recorded here at the Radio Centre with Fran Breen on drums, Tommy Moore on bass and Jimmy Faulkner on electric guitar and engineered by Colm O'Rourke. Love Cry with Frank Kelly on bass was engineered by Paddy McBreen. The programme was compiled and produced by Julian Vignoles.